Oh, yes. Episode 9 of Keeping It Real with Chuck Ludy and the Big Fella. And, uh, well, tonight we are taking it up another notch. And I know you're probably sitting back going, how can they possibly go up another notch? Jonathan Brown last week had some amazing stories. And, uh, well, tonight I am so pumped. I haven't slept for three or four days leading into this. It is going to be absolutely huge. And we better go and get the boys on the phone all the way from Mount Eliza. Well, it's a big show. Idiot. Oh. Good evening, Chuck. How are you, buddy? I'm very good, Matty. Uh, again, I'm unimpressed with your uh, introductory uh, <laughs> song, but we'll go with that. We'll stay with the big, uh, big, uh, big show stuff. But get uh, get Ludie on the line, and then I, look. We've got to apologise to our audience. We have had some big names, and eventually, big fella, it had to come to an end. I know you've built it up a little bit, but <laughs> you told me to get someone tonight, and I said, look. I still think you'll be popular, but we just had to sort of drop back a little bit. Mark Leishman, Nathan Lyon, Tim Payne, Jonathan Brown. We've gone back a level tonight, but get, get Ludy on first before you introduce the guest. Yeah, let's get this on. Timmy Ludeman, how are you, buddy? Good, Stewie. Time for some new material, I reckon. Now, I'm, I'm not telling you, <laughs> our special guest has been listening to all this crap, and he must be sitting back going, what have I got myself in for tonight? You're playing, <laughs> you are playing it down, Chuck, but we have got a special song for uh, this man too, and I'm going to play it mm. now. <laughs> glory days. This bloke just epitomises glory days. You are not going to believe it, but we have got the superstar himself in Shane Warne. How are you, Warney? Yes. G'day, g'day, guys. How are you? Just a quick one. Um, Darren Berry, <laughs> a.k.a. Chuck. Uh, I heard you introduce him saying he lives in Mount Eliza. Uh, you should try Frankston, <laughs> not Mount Eliza. <laughs> He's been well, telling us. He has been yeah. telling us that he's got the best and the biggest house in Mount Eliza and overlooks the Frankston ocean. Frankston South, I reckon, or maybe Frankston North. <laughs> Come on. I, it's okay, I, mate. Nothing wrong with Franger. Okay. <laughs> I love this. Hey, Warnie, in all honesty, you've got a great relationship with uh, Chuck. You've known him for a very, very long time. I just want to reel off some stats, okay? And we're not going to... We're not going to bamboozle you with cricket crap tonight. We want to know uh, no, some of the good. some of the stuff behind the scenes that made uh, Shane Warne so good. Uh, 145 tests, 708 wickets. Your best figures of eight for 71. You weren't bad with a bad either, scoring 3,154 test runs. The really interesting stat that came out for me, mate, in 100 and, uh, 145 test matches, you never ever had a run out, Warney. What's going on there, mate? You took plenty of catches in first and second slip, but no run. Out in the test. Yeah, too slow, mate. You either smack it before or you don't run. Easy single or four, simple. <laughs> Chuck, come on, mate. You've got to have a bit of mail on your great mate, uh, Shane Warne. Well, I'm not going to go anything to do with cricket tonight. I think we need to, and, you know, we're wrapped to have him on. And obviously last week he was big on Foxtel and it was a week with Warney. He stepped up a level tonight. Come on, Chuck Ludy and the big fella. We're not going to talk about cricket. We're going to try and talk as much obscure stuff as we can to let our audience get an understanding 
And I'll be serious for a minute. On on a good mate of mine, (laughs) on someone that I have known for a long time, and honestly, big fella, a lot of people don't know the real Shane Warne. And I'm not saying this to be a suck. He's been a great mate, and yet we played together, blah, blah, blah. But a lot of people have a false impression of this bloke, and they don't understand the amount of work he's done. The charity work that he did with the Shane Warne Foundation. Yeah. Uh, he never misses one of my kids' birthdays. He doesn't have to do that. So I just want to paint that picture to start with. Yep, we're mates, and people say, oh, they're biased and all that. But he's a great bloke. He's down to earth. He's genuine. Uh, he's tripped up a couple of times. He'll admit that. But um, he, he's the greatest spin bowler to ever play the game. Forgetting that, Shane, um, you've got a passion for fast cars. I always, whenever I got in your car, I shit myself. I put two seatbelts on. That's true. Two he goes too fast. Um, I always stick to the speed limit. It was very, very important, Chuck. Very important for well, people out there to stick to the speed limit. I know that. But occasionally, occasionally when you've got it on the southeastern freeway, uh, you might have just, on one or two occasions, pushed the speed barrier and gone over. Number one, how many fines do you reckon you've got? But more importantly, <laughs> how many times have the jacks pulled you up, wind down the window, sir, and spotted Shane Warne and said, just slow down a bit, mate, can you? <laughs> well, no one says how fast you can get to that speed limit. Um, you're, allowed to, you're only allowed to go a certain speed, but occasionally, yes, I might have accidentally just gone a bit over. Uh, I think I've lost my licence four or five times. Oh, wow. Um, only a couple of times here in Australia, a couple of times overseas. <laughs> um, but, I, uh, yeah, I have had a couple of times I've been pulled over. Once um, uh, I had I bought this Group A, Group 3 Brock Commodore, uh, which they only bought, uh, uh, bought out 50 of them. It was mobile blue. It had fins all over the place. And oh. I was driving along Beach Road. And I was actually doing the speed limit. And the cops pulled me over. And they wanted to look at the car. And then as they sort of said, oh, yeah, it's a beautiful car. This is awesome, blah, blah, blah. Now, just fang it. Take off and just fang it. And I said, hang on. You both might book me. I, I can't do that. They said, no, no, it's all good. Just go for it. <laughs> so I hopped in my car saying, is this a reverse malarch? I'm going to go. I'll take off and fly off. And then they're going to book me. Oh. <laughs> Do they actually just want to hear the car take off? So I thought, oh, no, how can I win here? So I thought, ah, stuff it. So I just absolutely floored it, <laughs> did this huge fishtail down the road and just quickly went down the side street and tried to disappear. <laughs> so I think it was okay. They never got me. <laughs> that is unreal. The old boys in boys. blue, mate, never let you down. He yeah. always had a passion for fast cars from his first little white Cortina, I remember, at the Junction Oval. The other yes, thing that, that called I ask, the other thing I would ask you, Warnie, it's a bit of a personal question, this one, but again, light-hearted. You, you're very proud. You always have been of your your homes. Whenever I've come to visit you, you always want to show me around. You're very house proud of what you've <laughs> achieved. Now, um, this is true. He is absolutely he is. But right. I'd just like Don't to know, jealous, mate. The <laughs> correct. I'd like you to reveal, if you could tonight, exclusively. How much money do you reckon you've paid in stamp duty to the Victorian government <laughs> over the years? <laughs> uh, I think I've had 11 houses. Oh, um, and I think one of them was twice I moved in and out. So 
I think I've done that twice. So that's four. So I might have, let's say I've had nine houses. And if the average yep. was, I don't know. Oh, I don't know Seven. the average was. Seven, eight. Well, your, your <laughs> average is a lot higher than ours, Morty. <laughs> well, well, let's just say you pay uh, six, what do we pay? We pay 6%, don't we? So for every million, it's 60,000. Mm. Uh, so if the average, let's say the average was five. Yep. That's 300 grand times nine, 2.7 million. You're kidding. So probably you. let's just round it off to about three mil. The Victorian government. No wonder the cops are letting you drive down St Kilda Road, yeah. mate. They just said, let him go, do what he wants. I know. I don't, actually don't think I've ever thought about that until you just asked me, Chuck. So thanks very much for that. Can, can I just <laughs> ask you a question? Chuck touched on it there at the start in the intro. He said, yeah, you never miss the kids' birthdays. Can I ask, what does Shane Warne, uh, you know, kind of send as a birthday present to Chuck's kids? Uh, what, do you, what do you do there, Warney? Uh, well, obviously, a lot of the time um, when it's Max or whoever's birthday of Chuck's is that I'm overseas a lot of the time, so it's it's pretty hard to send stuff. But generally, it's just a nice message to say happy birthday to whoever it might be. So just to say happy birthday, it's always nice, you know, when people remember your kids' birthdays. Anything in life, if you want to get uh, on the good books of anyone or people to do your favours, always remember their kids' birthdays. <laughs> and um, I sort of do your favour. Actually, I'm not sure how this works because I think... Jack Chuck's missed a few of my birthdays for my kids, so uh, maybe hey, I'm hey, doing him a favour. You, just before you go any further, there's never been any presents because that money that he's paid to the government hasn't afforded presents. <laughs> there's always the message, hey, and happy birthday to Jackson Warren tomorrow. How do you like them apples? <laughs> yeah, it's very good. Yes, he's 20, he turns 21 tomorrow, my boy. So, Bloody yeah, hell. Unfortunately, we can't have a party or that for him, so I'll just be a family, a little... You know, a few pizzas and maybe a drink and then blow out the birthday cake uh, tomorrow for his 21st. So pretty exciting for him. Ludy. Over to you, Ludes. Warnie, I just want to, as you probably know, I'm a bit follically challenged myself and obviously you've <laughs> gone down the yeah, yeah route. We, we're all pretty aware of that. But um, I just wanted to throw a bit of a hair question at you because I, I know you've gone yeah, yeah, but I've actually heard a little whisper. I need this confirmed that you went nah, nah. Now, I heard when you were a little bit younger, you might have done the whole nair across the whole body, just getting rid of every bit of hair on your body, and you might have left it on a little bit too long, and the old skin started to burn up a touch, and you had to sit nude in front of a fan. <laughs> Any research, Luke? Well, someone's been talking out of school. Um, <laughs> look, I, yes, I have. I, um, I was going bald. I was going bald um, on top, so I wanted to fix that first. And thank you to Advanced Hair for helping me out for the last 16 years. Um, but once I started, I, I never really got um, had a massage or anything like that. And once I was coming back through shoulder injury and, um, and finger injury, so I needed my forearm and all this massage. So the, when I was doing all that, I'd shave one of my arms. So I had this, my bowling arm was bald and my other arm was really hairy so I said that doesn't work so I sort of started getting rid of all of the hair and I thought how long does this have to, this nair and that have to stay on for so I did the whole body and um, yeah, I left it on too long and I was scorching I was absolutely burning up so yeah and I'm not sure if anyone else has done that before too but Jesus it hurts bloody hell probably, probably not admitting to it anyway that they've done it <laughs> 
Yes, yeah, so, yes, yeah, so I've done that. I've done many things, made many mistakes, so I make a lot more. That's what life's all about. Can I just ask, Warney, uh, number 23, uh, you yep. like wearing it, obviously, in the one days. Uh, Michael Jordan, of course, wore number 23, LeBron James. Famously, has worn number 23, Buddy Franklin, Dermy Burton. There's actually a poll up uh, tonight for the Hawthorne Football Club voting for your, your favourite number 23, and you're actually on that list, Warney. Where, where, right. Did it come from? Did it spawn off like Michael Jordan? No, not at all. I um, Mind you, just uh, on Michael Jordan, how good was the last dance, that documentary? That was absolutely fantastic. Mm. A great insight into him as a competitor, uh, as an athlete, uh, the way his teammates spoke about him. Uh, I just thoroughly enjoyed sitting back and watching the entertainment. And you forget, sometimes you forget about athletes 20 years ago and how actually good they were. And I think he was, he sort of started the whole um, athlete as a brand. I think he was sort of, yeah. I know Arnold Palmer did it a fair bit in the 60s and things, but, and the Golden Bear a bit, Nicholas, but really, I think Jordan was the first real athlete to make proper money with Nike and do all those sort of things. I think it was just fantastic. How I started with 23 is a few different reasons, but the main reason was I went, when I played down at St Kilda Footy Club, I was thrown a jumper and it was number 23. And at that time, I also barracked for Hawthorne. When I, be, mm. when I joined St Kilda, I started barracking for the Saints in 86. So what's that? 34 years ago or whatever it was. But before that, as a kid, I barracked for Hawthorne. And Peter Knights was number 24 and he was probably my favourite. And I loved Dermot as well. So... Having number 23 was my first ever football jumper. And loved Hawthorne, loved Dermot Brereton, so that was sort of just a coincidence. Um, and then when I turned 18, I went into... I used to like... A, I still do like a punt. And in the roulette wheel, I used to back 23. So when uh, numbers came into cricket, everyone was just 1 to 15, whatever the squad was for a World Cup or whatever it was. It just came in your one... If you open the batting or the captain was number one and then you just open it was number two and number three and so on in the batting order. And I said, no, I want to be my football number. I want to be number 23. That was, and I was lucky enough. I think it was around 94, 95, they sort of came in. Yep. And I was lucky enough with, I'd done okay for the first four or five years of my career. And they allowed me to be 23. So oh, we no. went to play uh, a tournament and everyone was just one to 12 or whatever the squad was numbers were. And I was number 23. So after that, everyone started having their own numbers. So suddenly had Gale with 333 and et cetera, et cetera. So that's how I started with number 23 and how the numbers changed in cricket, uh, how everyone had their own favourite number for whatever reason. So that's how that started. Pretty simple. Can I, awesome. Can I jump on the back of that big fella? Sorry, because there's a story I think I'd like to throw up here, which I didn't have on my running sheet, but... I do remember uh, Warney started his career and was well looked after by Puma and Johnny Forbes is a great mate of ours. And, yep. and so it worked out. Warney got a, an unbelievable offer that you couldn't turn down to join Nike, which he did back then. And we all know Shane Moore now, the superstar cricketer and signed autographs all around the world. Is there any truth, Shane, that a young Shane Warne got invited to a personal meeting with the great Michael Jordan and he got a little bit offended when you pulled your autograph book out to get his signature. <laughs> I, I pulled it out to get Michael Jordan's signature. Yeah, that's right. Uh, no, that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> and probably would have been the other way around, I reckon, Morty. No, that didn't happen. I remember... I was that was that experience, 
Uh, I was with Puma for a long time and they were fantastic. And Johnny Fields and Nigel Merch and Jason Jacoby and a lot of guys um, yep. were all with Puma at that stage. And after the 93 Ashes series, Nike wanted to come into Australia and really make a proper uh, effort to all the Australian sports. And there's a guy called Ben Buckley, Ben Crow, and Brent Scrimshaw. Those three guys had to dress up as me and go to America to convince Phil Knight, the owner of Nike, that they should be involved in cricket and I should be the person to face Nike, like be the face of Nike. This was in 94. So I did this deal with Nike and suddenly Nike's in Australia, we started doing all these ads and chainsaw ads and mystery ball ads. Then they started getting into AFL football and I think they used Wayne Carey. And then in 96, I had the chance to go over to meet Phil Knight and the whole Nike campus in Portland, Oregon. So I flew over with Ben Buckley, uh, sorry, with Brent Scrimshaw and Ben Crow. And we, I had to do a thing, a commercial with Bo Jackson, who was another amazing yes. athlete, American athlete. And we went to meet Michael Jordan. And he was playing baseball and doing all sorts of things at this stage. He was, I don't know, he was playing for the Memphis Chicks, I think it was. And or he was training with him in the off season or whatever he was doing. And there was cameras everywhere following us and they were asking us questions and all that sort of stuff. In the end, they said, look, why don't you guys go off and have a little chat? You know, we'll leave you to it. We'll give you some space. So I had probably 45 minutes with maybe an hour with Michael Jordan and just the two of us talking about sport, what it takes to be successful. I was picking his brain and asking him all sorts of things and what motivates him and drives him. And he was pretty, um, he was self-motivated. He was very confident and etc. as we've seen in the documentary. So it was just good to hang out and talk about those sorts of things. He loved cricket. He'd seen a lot of it when he'd spent time in the UK. And he also loved uh, Australian rules football. And we gave him a, a, t- a Sharon, an AFL footy. Or, yeah, awesome. I think it was AFL then. So we gave him a, a football and um, then they asked for a picture and we got a picture and that was the picture, I think, that was doing the rounds a while ago of me and uh, Michael Jordan holding a, uh, holding a Sharon. That, that I, reckon reckon playing, autograph book. I reckon I've never had an autograph book. I reckon he's playing that pretty cool. That, that, I reckon that, he's played it down. That he is an amazing, nervous. you know, that is an amazing story though. Two of the greatest sports people in their own sports are uh, together at one time. I just want to just take you back. Uh, you just mentioned that the documentary about uh, yeah, Jordan. It was unbelievable. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The best I've seen for some time. Um, in your time as an Australian cricketer, right? Who was the Dennis Rodman? Who was the Michael Jordan? Who was the uh, Scotty Pippen, mate? Oh. Uh, um, Colin Miller was probably a bit of the old Rodman, I suppose. He sort of, yep. I'm not sure in actions. I'm not sure in actions, but looked the same. Dyed his hair and had nose rings and all that sort of stuff. Um, but a very important part of all the teams he played for. So Funky might have been a bit more of the the Rodman. Yep. Jeez. Uh, um, I'm trying to work out who's who here. Uh, well, I was going to say, if you're if you're say MJ, you know, who's your who's your uh, you know oh, your okay. right hand man in Pippin? Oh well, um, if I if, if this is the scenario, I wouldn't say. I oh, but um, well, probably McGrath would he? Would he? McGrath would probably yep. be. Yep, that's um, a good analogy. I reckon. Pippin. I mean, I mean, he was one of the all time greats, one of the best Australian fast bowlers. Him and probably Dennis Lilly, the two best that we've ever produced. And in our time, McGrath's probably one of the all-time great fast bowlers with Wazim Akram and Kirtley Ambrose. Those three guys in the modern sort of era would probably be the best. Yeah, well answered. Good. Chuck? 
Oh, well, I was going to give Ludie a shot. Uh, well, uh, just a I'll quick one. When you, if you're thinking, if that's the theme, right? If you had to choose, say you're playing golf. We had this discussion the other day after um, watching the Jordan thing. And myself and a couple of mates were playing golf and we now that we're allowed to play. And we said, okay, who could be your ultimate four ball? So it's you plus three others. Who, who would they actually be? So you guys, go on. Who, if you could have a chance to go and play golf with three people, anyone dead or alive, anyone that you'd ever want to play, who would you play with? Ludie, you go first, mate. Oh, Jesus, on the spot. Uh, oh, I'd have Warnie in there for sure now that we're talking to him. Bloody hell. <laughs> yeah, um, there you go. <laughs> uh, and he put me in his BDBL fantasy team, so I've got to have that in there. That's it. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> Yes. Jeez, I, I, I got, got, to, I got to Tiger Woods. I had Tiger Woods, Muhammad Ali, and Michael Jordan. Yeah, brilliant. I, yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd go, I, MJ's got to be in there for me. I'd chuck yourself in, Warney, because uh, knockabout bloke, love to have a beer with you. And uh, I'd probably chuck in Floyd Mayweather. I love what he's okay. done. I reckon he's a freak. Yeah, that's good. Chuck, what would you do? Yeah, I'll be boring, but I'll go on a different slant. My number one draft pick would be Demi Moore. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, this because is a completely all... different, yeah, opens you... a different can of worms. Where is that going? No, no, I, I, I've always been infatuated, and I just think she's the most beautiful woman in the world. I oh, love Jesus. Demi Moore, so I would just like to play golf with her and just have a chat to her and, you know, talk a few albatrosses and birdies and stuff like that. And you're still um, strong with Christine? <laughs> Well, I was going to put my wife on the end of the table, warning just to oh, keep right, me. Oh, right, okay. Just to keep me, uh, that's another story. My wife's actually called Kat, but Warnie called her Christine when they first met. And since that day, he still calls her Christine, and my wife Kat calls Warnie Sean. So, yeah. Sean and Christine. It was only 30 so years ago. I'll take Christine as well. Uh, Demi Moore and Christine, and then I would put someone sort of in the middle um, gee whiz, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm probably after watching the Jordan thing. I thought, yep, yeah, well, uh, no, that's an ordinary four ball. You can see your misses any time, mate. That's ordinary. <laughs> I'm with you, Woody. That's terrible. That's ordinary, mate. Yeah, uh, that's still on the bench next week. After that, yeah. I'm on the bench. So if Warney's going to throw stuff at us, let's see how good he is in return. Warney, Come I'm going to just ask you ten. I'm going to ask you ten simple questions, and you just got to give me the quick answer. And don't worry, there's nothing. Out of the ordinary Ask anything you like. You just give me the anything you like. You ready? Yeah. Brian Lara, Lara or Tendulkar? All right. Oh, it's geez. very hard to give a, a, an answer, a brief, a brief answer. If I wanted, uh, okay. If I wanted someone to bat for my life, I'd say Tendulkar. If I wanted someone to chasing four hundred to win on the last day, I'd send Lara out. Good answer. Spaghetti bowl, spaghetti bolognese or margarita pizza? That's uh, bag bowl. If you had said lasagna, Spag- I would have said lasagna because I like that more than Garfield the cat. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Harvey or Lenny Hayes? Lenny Hayes. Oh, Ooh. wow. That is that is big. Okay. Harvey's a legend, but the, Lenny. Let's not discuss it too much because you guys are going to get some questions. Just a quick one. Le- LeBron or Jordan? Jordan. Yes. Gilchrist or Healy? Oh, wow! That's a oh. <laughs> question. You have to pick Gilchrist in any Australian elevens you're playing because of his all-round ability and his batting was just dynamite. Yep. Um, although his keeping was nowhere near as good as Healy, so if you're picking just a keeper, Ian Healy, 
if you're picking your all-time 11s, then you probably have to go Gilchrist because he's batting combined with his keeping was, you know, still pretty good. So I think it's an all-round package. Gilchrist wins the argument, but it's a pure keeper, Healy. Gee, you've toned down in your old age, but I like it. Now, in the, as a young I've toned star, down. I okay, people, yep. All right. I'll yeah, watch what I say next time. This. Not many people would know this, boys, but when I first used to go out with Shane Warne, oh. drink of choice, and he won't be happy with this, was Midorian lemonade. <laughs> you know, he, he can't back down. <laughs> Midori, Midori, Midori or vodka? Nah, vodka. Yeah, Grey okay. Goose. Grey Goose Warne. Or... Uh, most enjoyable is very, very good too, uh, Darren. All right, we'll get the gin in a minute, so I know you're doing some wonderful stuff there, but uh, most enjoyable, Hampshire or Rajasthan Royals? Oh, <laughs> tough one. Jeez. Uh, um, completely different, but I'd have to say... Oh, I think the Rata Star Royals 2008 was probably one of the most satisfying things I've ever been involved in. The only reason I say that is no one had ever seen players going to auction, putting together a team with owners, uh, the po- politics that's involved, picking a squad, um, and then being the underdogs, not having much first-class experience in some of the players that even played. Some were 17, couldn't speak English. So there's so many barriers to actually overcome mm. and to get hammered in the first game like we did, to then go on and win it the way we did and see that basically everyone in India wanted the Rajasthan Royals to win. Uh, as a guy that had retired, was captain coach, obviously I had you and Jeremy Snape helping me out as well. We all were in it together, but there was a lot of responsibilities. The only non-Indian captain, when you had Tendulkar, Dravid, Seawag, Ganguly, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, as all the other captains. Um, it was a, to actually win the way we did, as you know, Chuck, it was a pretty amazing achievement. So I'd have to say that was one of my satisfying moments as a cricketer, winning that IPL the first year. Yeah. But yeah. eight years at Hampshire, moving to England to live, buying a house in Hampshire, captain of the club, had won three games in two years. We went on for the four years as I was captain there to turn the club around and win more first-class matches than anyone else, win some trophies. Um, in the end, the members voted me as you know one of their favourite sons that they, non-English overseas player, named a stand after me at the, ga- at the ground. Unreal. Um, I don't know. It's the only place I've got to stand. So I, it's a really hard question. I can't split them, but... As I said, okay. Hampshire was probably the most enjoyable cricket I'd nearly ever played. Um, but well, Hampshire uh, Royals is probably one of the most satisfying things I ever achieved, if that makes sense. This so is going, this is going beautifully. This is 10 quickies with Chuck. That's the quickest right. answer. Well, ask had. questions that are easy, not <laughs> tough ones. Hey, it's not easy. You asked me who I was going to take to play golf, and I said Demi Moore, and you poo pooed. How hard is that? You went with your wife and someone you got the hots for in Demi Moore. <laughs> If you think that was hard, we'll answer this one. And I I saw how proud you were at the Rajasthan Royals, so that's why I asked you that question. I know it meant a lot to you. Uh, This is going to be a tough one for you. I like this. Chris Martin or Ed Ed Sheeran? No, mate, come on. That's just ridiculous. Um, (laughs) Which one? Who's the best singer? Who, Who do you listen to more? 
Oh, well, hang on. That's a different question. Chris Martin, I would be my <laughs> top five best friends. So I'd have to go Chris. Um, I'm not going to say who I listen to more, but I'll say, I'll say well, Chris. Hey, boys. Do you detect a little bit of pickets up the arse at the moment or what? <laughs> I love it. Absolutely. Hang on, I've given you an answer every time. Exactly. I know then. Put him I'll back in his box. To... Come on, Chuck. What else easy. you got for us? Well, I'll make them easy to finish. I'll just write down those top five friends, and I think I might have just slipped a six, actually, with Chris Martin getting into the top five. So You're outside the top ten, don't worry. Oh, <laughs> Well, I'll give you two easy ones to finish, uh, champion. Uh, jock, jocks or boxers? Oh, easy. Boxers. Boxers. Mm. Benson and Hedges or Camel? Benson and Hedges. <laughs> I'm sucking and on one right now, actually. It's quite good. <laughs> I knew you would have been. And that is, that is 10 quickies with Chuck that normally well, takes 30 seconds. That took 25 minutes with Shane Warne. Well, just, I just ask chuck easy one. ones like the last few, then I'll give you the answer. I just want to chuck one more in. Ludeman or Berry? Oh, well. That's what? Keepers? Keepers. Or people? Keepers. Oh. <laughs> Cricketers. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a tough one. Uh, <laughs> I am I, biased towards Chuck because I saw him do some of the most amazing stumpings of all time. Obviously, I've seen Ludie do a lot when I've been commentating and watching and all that sort of stuff, and they're very similar, very Similar keepers, amazing keepers. Um, Ludie was a lot see better boys. with the bat. He smashed them at the see, top. See, the boys, I'm done. If you finish the show. <laughs> um, no, Chuck, would, I mean, there's, uh, there's one. There's so many stumpings that stand out with Chuck, but one in particular, I think it was David Boone, stumped uh, off Paul Rifle up the stumps just before lunch. I think it was one was amazing. Uh, as far as the slippers, those when you know you've got Chuck behind the stumps, you can go so wide. At slip cover more turf. You knew what was yours, what wasn't. There was no hesitation through that yeah. under the right hand of the keeper. Um, but no, Chucks was amazing behind the stumps. Amazing. Can, can I just Over ask? How was um, how was that uh, celebration after the Rajasthan Royals took out that IPL? Can you remember oh. what that was like, boys? Oh uh, yeah, very good. <laughs> I remember Chucks running out on the ground way before the final, and his shirt coming up around his neck <laughs> as the gut just hang out onto the ground too. <laughs> and I remember getting asked, uh, "Your assistant coach is pretty passionate about the game, isn't he?" I said, "Oh, what makes you say that?" And they show this footage of him just running out on the ground with his shirt around his head. <laughs> yeah. Guilty, oh, yeah. love it. Guilty, Ludi. I'm going to ask a cricket cricket question. I don't really want yep. to go back there after all this humour, but I'm going going to. I've been. I don't know the answer to this, but I've been told to ask it by my sources. 2005 yeah. Ashes. Yeah. I don't want to bring up bad memories, but obviously 40 poles, 250 runs, an amazing series. Personally. Yep. But I believe after day one, there was a team meeting in the hotel or a meeting in the hotel after you bowling the sixth over and they made 400. What happened in that meeting? Uh, no, it wasn't the meeting that I, that I think you're talking about was Manchester after the okay. third test match. Yep. And we hung on for a draw. And there was a meeting afterwards where John Buchanan, we just played five days, hung on for a draw, didn't play that well. Um, a lot of players didn't really contribute much. We went back to on the bus, he said, team meeting. And I was like, oh, really? So we go back to this team meeting 
and John Buchanan gets up and starts saying, you guys were ordinary this test match. Um, some of you aren't worthy of wearing the baggy green cap. Uh, it went along that tone. So I, Shit, yeah. after, after that, I had to be that guy. Um, I wasn't going to cop that from him, uh, from anyone really, to say that, that everyone in that room wasn't absolutely trying their bollocks off and some were doing okay, some weren't doing well, but everyone was trying. And that's the thing with any sport. I, I, I hate when people say, oh, it just wasn't my day. Um, you have to find a way to get into the game no matter what. You have to say to yourself, what, is my, what does my team need me to do right now? And that should always dictate an effort is free. You should always put in the effort. And some days it's good enough, some days it's not. So when John Buchanan said that to, me, to the group, I stood up and said, John, don't you ever accuse me or anyone else in this room of not being worthy mm. of wearing the bag green crap crap. You can, you know, basically see you later. Off. It ended with off. And, um, <laughs> oh, this is big. And, uh, and mm. Stuart McGill stood up and said, I'm with the, the king. I'm with him. Uh, McGrath, <laughs> McGrath said, McGrath got up and said, I'm with Warney. I'm with him as well. And we stood up to walk out. And then Punter got up and said, hey, guys, come on. I said, no, nah, you can all get, this is over. And we walked out. And that was the end of the meeting. So, so how, how do you come back from that warning? Look, what happens that night? What happens the next day? Well, just get on with it. So, so, did, so on. Did, did Buchanan like reach out to you, mate? Did like did Punter reach out to you at the time? Well, how, how, how did it all transpire then? Straight after that, that? was it. We just got onto it and travelled. I think we went to Trent Bridge next, and we prepared for the next game. And unfortunately, they beat us uh, there, so they went two one up, and then we went to the Oval, and that was a draw. So. They won the Ashes, but it was a, look. It was a great series. They had so many moments in that series where you didn't know who was going to win. It seesawed. It had drama. Had some brilliance from individuals on both sides with the bat and the ball and in catching. That um, was one of those great series that you're gripped to. And even when you see the highlights now, which have been showing while we've been in this virus lockdown, uh, I did something on Sky the other day when I was on the with Kevin Peterson, Michael Vaughan, Triscothic, uh, Rob Keane, Ian Ward. And NASA, actually. And just going through the highlights of, you know, when we needed 107 or whatever it was to win that last day at Edgebaston. And me and Brett Lee were doing well till someone got control of my foot and I kicked the stumps. <laughs> <laughs> and then we end up losing by a couple of runs. So, yeah, look, it was one of those test matches. It all it went down to the wire every test. And it was a fantastic series. England deserved to win. They were the better side. But... Um, yeah, it was a great series. Unfortunately, it was the only ever Ashes series I was involved in that we lost, which was which hurt. Big fella, that's enough of the serious stuff. I've got my last one, and then I'll be quiet. But did you get that uh, music that you got sent over from New Zealand to Big Fella? Have you got that? Uh, yes, yes, I have got the that. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, just, to, just to finish off from me anyway, and there might be one or two, and we'll wind it up with Warren. He appreciate his time. Um, Dan Vittori said this. Oh, Nina! <laughs> it is Nina. Ninety-nine red balloons. Yeah, well, now Shane. Better than ninety-eight red balloons, isn't it? Inventory. <laughs> sent me that little bit of music. He said, "Just play this to Shane." Uh, he loved it. And we always talk on this show, uh, Warnie. We've had some amazing stories. Tim Payne revealed that he actually yep. shit himself physically <laughs> when, when he had uh, England nine down at Old Trafford this year to win the Ashes. 
and Payne actually shit himself on the field and followed through and kept playing. Now, I don't think... I know you've had some accidents in your time. I won't reveal them, but I know for a fact, getting out for 99 in that Perth Test match, it burns at you, and it's one of your bigger regrets because you valued your batting and you never made a Test 100. How many nights have you lied awake? And, boys, it was a no ball. It was a no ball that he got out to. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, well, one, I haven't lost any sleep over it, so you're exaggerating that stuff. That's unusual for you. Um, I don't lay awake every day thinking, why didn't I do this? Um, although I would have, of course, I would have liked to have got one more run 100. And, um, I, you know, I could have played so many different shots, but... <laughs> Uh, it's not nice to have the record at the most runs in the history of the game without 100. It's not great. Um, but look, it's one of those things that wasn't no ball. Should have been 100. End of story, really. Yeah, unreal. Shuey, <laughs> I've got one serious question I want to ask Warnie before my last one. Anything you want. Shoot. Oh, oh beauty. Well, that's the lead in I need because this is a good one. I really need to know the answer to this. Yep. Obviously, pretty big pretty big deal when you were dating Liz, Liz Hurley and it was around the Big Bash and it was massive at the time. But I mm-hmm. need to know, did Shane Warne ever dress up as Austin Powers? Because I know I sure was. Groovy, baby. Groovy. Uh, <laughs> can uh, I just say, Warnie? I, like, I can I, say, I mean, first of all, I can say, no, I never did. I've been talking to my mates all week, you know, saying, I've oh, got Shane Warne, and they're all been going, whatever, you have not, blah, blah, blah. And do you know what? The first question that comes out of their mouth is, can you ask about Liz Hurley? Early. That's all they mm. want to know, mate. Look, it's un- unbelievable times for you back then. It must have been. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, we were engaged to be married, so it was pretty serious. Um, we introduced each other to each other's kids. We had, I think, four and a bit, nearly five years together. Um, mm. Yeah, it was a shame it didn't work out, but um, we're still good friends today. We still keep in touch, and we still hang out when I'm in London and catch up and say hello. She rings and asks about the kids and all that sort of stuff. So we're still great mates now. Um, but, yeah, look, it was uh, some pretty extraordinary times. The, the media that was following us and her world and the sporting world, I suppose, meeting and, geez, everywhere we went was just a bloody circus. So it was a bit of a pain in the ass, to be honest, but um, all that side of things. But, look, she's a great, great person, a great lady, and um, she's still a wonderful friend. Maybe uh, the old Austin Powers dress-up might have got you across the line, big fella. Mm. <laughs> yeah. no, yeah, whatever. <laughs> There's plenty of other dress ups I did, but Austin Powers wasn't one of them. <laughs> Ludy, can you please take us to the team that you want to talk about with Warney? Because I'm oh, going to yeah, be very, on. very interested to see uh, Warney's 11 here. What's this? Yeah, Warney, I just wanted you to. to possibly name your good fun 11. I know you've put a fair few out there over time, but I don't think you've good ever put out a good fun 11 who, you, who you'd love oh. to hang out with and play in that team every Saturday. Oh, a good fun 11. Uh, okay, so some off the top. Merv Hughes would definitely be in there. Uh, yep. Dimitri Mascarenas would be in there. Where's uh, Dimitri yep. from? Dimmer's from Hampshire, played for England, yep. uh, played for Melbourne Stars, and also played for the Hurricanes, I think, didn't he? Did he play for the Hurricanes too? Yeah, he did. Oh, right. yep. he did. Yep. Uh, so Dimmer would be in there. Ian Botham would be in there. Yep. Uh, yep. The late, great Bobby Willis would be in there. 
Bobby Willis. Uh, okay. Yeah, Bobby Willis was a bloody star. He was. Um, who else would be in there? Jeez. Uh, oh, Brendan Julian. Just stand there and look BJ. good, BJ. It's all right. He just stands in the middle of a nightclub. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> we'll just hang out there, Beach. You're right, mate. Um, so he could serve Brendan Julian definitely. Michael Slater as well. Slats was always great fun. Yeah, awesome. Uh, uh, Mark Taylor. Now, that might be a bit of a, a strange one, but Mark Taylor, once he'd had a few beers, that left eye just started to close. <laughs> <laughs> The rip, and, and and someone put Bo River on the CD machine. Look out! Tubbs was off and away. <laughs> Couldn't stop him. Uh, Tubbs will be in there. Uh, junior Mark was very very funny. Yeah, uh, he's very dry and doesn't try to be funny, but is. Uh, so Junior would definitely be in there. Uh, Tim May, because the amount yep. of times he lost his watch or his wallet. Um, would hit you in the chest and just tell you to piss off because he was so drunk. Forget where he stayed. <laughs> couldn't find him the next day. Um, but he was always great fun. So I think that's about 11, isn't it? Good side. I was, right, I was writing them down, and I reckon I got to 10. And not surprising there, a no wicket keeper selected, uh, always forgotten, the best ones uh, <laughs> didn't get it mentioned. And, uh, okay, Ian Martin, Healy. Okay, I'll put him down. Put Ian Healy in there for the fun. And I see you, and don't even elaborate on this, my good friend, but you put Mark War in, but you didn't slip Steve War into the uh, good fun 11. No, well, no, Steve, I don't play with selfish cricketers. So when you got the world, you got the most not outs out of any top six batsman in the history of the game and the most run outs ever, and you've been run out 73 times, the opposite, your opposing batsman. Uh, I don't do selfish. When you opened the show, big fella, when you opened the show and you said about run-outs, I thought, I told you, don't go to the Steve Wall question. <laughs> no. I thought you were freaking going there with the first question. No, no, no. <laughs> hey, but it's, it's been so topical, hasn't it? And we don't want to go there. It doesn't really matter. But it's, Leave uh, it. you're just, you're honest. And I, that's what I think is so good about you. And I reckon that's what's so good about Michael Jordan, if you know what I mean. Like, he just called it how he sees it. Uh, you do the same, one. You've done that over your career, and that's what makes you so special. Well, look, as far as I'm concerned, I... I I, I, as a commentator, am employed to give my opinion. Now, I'm not saying my opinion is always right. I don't believe I'm always right. I'm not one of those guys that always believes they're right. I, I'm probably wrong on many things. But I think it's important that not everyone says what people want to hear. We can all say nice things. Everyone can say nice things, but then you're not being honest to yourself and you're not being true to yourself. If I'm asked a question, I'll always be honest. I'll always be upfront. And I think to an extent that's why... I suppose people still like me because I've never pretended to be anything I'm not. Yeah. They might not always agree to me with me or whatever, but they might hang it on me or give it to me, whatever. That's fine. Yeah. But I've got to be true to myself too. And I'm not going to come out and say things. If I don't like someone, if I think someone's selfish, if I think someone's um, a great team man, if I think whatever I think about a certain person, if I'm asked, I'll tell the truth of what I believe. And I can only go on what I saw. Um, whether people like that or don't like that or don't agree with me, that's okay. No yeah. problem. But I, I think it's important that everyone is always true to themselves, they're honest with themselves and be honest. And that, I think, gets respect from yeah. people because you might not like what a certain person says or what I say, but you've got to respect that I am always true to myself and I never pretend to be something I'm not. 
Can I ask you one yeah. more? Yeah, well said. And can I ask you one more? Were you ever disappointed? Uh, you know, and you, you kind of touched on it briefly before, you know, when you're captain that side as a Hampshire over in uh, England. You know, it was such a good moment for you. Were you ever disappointed that you didn't captain the Aussie team, like the test team? Like, do you think you, des- uh, you, des- no. do you, think you deserved it? No, I don't. I, well, I'm not disappointed. I never had the opportunity. Not at all. I, um, I, I think when I had the opportunity to captain whatever team I was, I think people enjoyed playing under my leadership and under my captaincy. Yep. Uh, I think I had a bit of success with whatever team I, I captained. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it brought the best out of me, but I'm not disappointed I never had the opportunity to do it for Australia. Um, I was lucky enough to play under a couple of wonderful captains. Um, so, you know, they taught me a lot. Um, so, yeah, I'm very, very lucky to have played in a wonderful year of Australian cricket and under a couple of really good captains too. Yeah, awesome. Hey boys, I started I started the show being a suck. I'm going to finish the show being a suck. I didn't play under him a lot, but he did captain Victoria a fair bit when he played and I played. Uh, and, you know, I played not at the highest level, obviously, but uh, without doubt, the, the, the best tactical captain, yeah. the best tactical captain. Uh, for me as a kid, John Scholes was my club coach and he taught me a lot, but the best tactical captain that I've seen was the man we got on the phone. And it is a great shame, in my eyes, that he didn't captain the Australian Test team. Maybe there was reasons, but you know what? They had some pretty good captains. Mark Taylor, Warney, I know rates highly, but a great tactical captain, boys. Uh, thanks, Chuck. Love it, love it. Hey, just during the week, and, and if you're happy to hang around for another couple of minutes, Warnie, but uh, yeah, Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield have kind of come out during the week. I don't know whether you've seen the footage, boys, but uh, Tyson looks dangerous, and there was kind of whispers of Barry Hall and Sonny Bill Williams and all those kind of blokes taking him on. They would be absolutely cool. mad because Tyson is a machine. Um that would be a huge sporting comeback. Warney, what's your biggest in your eyes? Like, you know, we've touched on Michael Jordan. He went across the baseball, come back to basketball and start again. But outside of that, what's your biggest or best sporting comeback you think, in, you know, you've seen over the journey? Mm. Oh, I think Tiger Woods' comeback to win the Masters last yes. year was unbelievable. I think, I think if you look at where Tiger was, um, and we think back to the late 90s, early 2000s to mid-2000s when... He just intimidated his opponents, and um, you know he was unt- he was everyone was just scared of him, and I love that intimidation factor, and I love the what the shots he played, and when he needed to hole a putt, he just did it, and I, I love that mindset, and I love the execution to be able to do it because one of the hardest things as a sportsman that was, you know some regard whether it be Tiger Woods, whether it be Michael Jordan, whoever uh, in AFL footy cricket, whatever expectations not a lot of people talk about expectations when you talk about and you go to watch the best player in any sport the expectations are on them that you think you're going to see something magnificent every single time now for a person that um i suppose had some expectations on myself too it's not easy you don't just turn up and do it there's a lot of work that goes into that and 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 the injury stuff we've all had injuries and it's easy to train when you're doing injuries and rehab and that when you're with the group and the team environment. But when you are off by yourself, the team are playing and you can't because you're injured and you have to go down to the gym by yourself or get up early in the morning for a swim or whatever it might be, though, all those hard yards you do by yourself, the doubts. To see Tiger Woods have to, from where he was, to have those back where he was just couldn't play a shot, missed for however many years he was out, to have the 
courage, determination and, and and dedication to come back and do all the hard years, fuse back all the things he had to do, learn his swing again, his knee, to come back and now be in the mix to win every single major and probably the favourite again at, I think, what is he, 44, 45? Yeah. Years of age in that company. When you think about golf at the moment, yeah. it's probably golf's the strongest it's ever been in the history of the game. There's probably 30 to 40 players that could win any major. Where if we go back 25, 30, say 40 years, there's probably only five, six, seven, eight guys yeah. that could probably win. So I think to see Tiger come back, to see the impact he's had and to live up to the expectations of what everyone expects Tiger to play golf like, to come back and do that, I think mm. it's been absolutely outstanding for him to come back and win the Masters last year was just sensational. Have you ever met him, Warney? Yep. I've been lucky enough to get to know Tiger a fair bit. I've had a couple of dinners with him, just him and I. Um, got to know him pretty well. I, I actually, I say, well... When he came out here to Australia, remember there was a lot of stuff that went on uh, off the field and that affected his marriage and things like that. He came back after that and uh, myself and Tiger on stage and it was in front of all, you know, Sergio Garcia's and the golfers and all that sort of stuff. And there was a thousand people at this dinner and Tiger and I were on stage and they were interviewing both of us. And the first question the MC asked to us was, well, thank you very much for joining us, Tiger. Thank you very much for joining us, Shane. Um, fantastic to have you guys up here and talk about um, everything about your career. We're looking forward to it. I'll start with this, though. You two have got a lot in common, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at Tiger, and Tiger sort of looked at me, and I went, I've got this one. I said, yep, we have. We certainly have. We both, we both love golf. <laughs> <laughs> and that sort of that sort of broke the ice. Everyone laughed, and then we did the that night. And then him and I went and had dinner together after that, and talked about all sorts of things. So yeah, it was pretty cool. And then at the Presidents' awesome. Cup last year, um, I was inside the ropes with Ernie Owls with the international team, which was pretty amazing. Followed Tiger a few times, and then at the end of the round said g'day to Tiger, introduced him to my son Jackson and yeah, so it was pretty amazing he's a, he's a great man and a great athlete Fantastic, what about you two blokes, best sporting comebacks um, I'll go uh, female tennis player Monica Salas, she got stabbed ah, over the fence by call. a fan in the back had two years away from the game and then came back and won the 96 Oz Open I reckon that's a pretty good effort Good call yeah. mate, good yeah, call awesome. Chuck? Uh, Warning Warner, you asked me who the big fella was. Well, my greatest sporting comeback was we got to know each other, Warner, when I was coaching South Australia, and we used to go on our end-of-season trip back to where Tim Ludeman grew up in Warrnambool and the May Race Carnival. I know you're not a huge race-goer, but you go a little bit. The May Races, we've got to get you to the May Races Absolutely. one year in Warrnambool. It's actually... Yeah, I'd like to go. Race. I won't be going to the races, but I'll be going. Yes, I'm happy to go. Well, well, this leads me to my little finishing story on great sporting comebacks because it's three days, Warney. It's like a, it's a, it's an end-of-season trip for everyone. And the big fella who's hosting our show, the first time I met him, it'd be fair to say on the first day of the carnival, he went pretty hard, Warney. 
We finished up at a hotel down there called The Whalers in the wee small hours, and the big fella had to get up and host the breakfast the next day. I've never seen a man so green in my life. And the comeback that day, to be back on the gas by midday, was one of the great sporting comebacks that I've ever witnessed. I'm a Tuesday specialist. Yeah, That's all well I done, say. big fella. Hey, well, seriously, though, Warnie, we are going to get you there to next year's carnival. I'm try, gonna... bowling, try bowling 30 overs after a night like that. It's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk to though because we want to make next year's May Racing Carnival the biggest and best ever. Oh, I think Shane Warne is the uh, Carnival Ambassador next year. You two blokes, uh, you can ride off his coattails and get into every marquee on course. <laughs> I think that's Helicopter got some. In. I think it's got some legs next year, Warney. Seriously, oh, this yeah, could be massive. Sort it out, sort it out, and. Um... There might be a little bit of fine print to sign, but yeah, I'm happy to go there. <laughs> they're just in, in the fine print, you know, there might be just a few free pizzas kind of flung your way, if you know what I mean. Something, yeah, yeah, maybe something along those lines. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Big fella, big fella, I, I know you've been excited and you and Ludie are excited to get the great man on. You've totally forgotten. Maybe if we're going to get Warney down to the races. We'll have to send a Nissan Warrior, Dewey, oh. to go and get him. Now, come on, you've forgotten. <laughs> How could I forget the Nissan Warrior, mate? You can drive whatever you want, Warnie. And this is all thanks to Clinton Bolsh, Warnable Nissan. Huge end of financial <laughs> year deals. Are you rocking the Warrior, Warnie, or what? Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I might have to hit them up because my daughter's looking for a new car. Oh, and, here um, we go. <laughs> So if they've got a good little Nissan for her, I might be uh, in the business for it. So hit me up with a number mm. and I'll look after them. Oh, mate. They can look after me. Well, I'll tell you, that, <laughs> that, that is, this is unbelievable. Clinton Bulch will feel like he, he will listen to this tomorrow. Clinton, he... my daughter needs a new car. She loves the little Nissan. So if you can sort something out, would be appreciated. Oh, yeah. Um. yeah, good is um. this. That, I'm telling you, he will do that. He will sort it out, big fella. Mate, uh, in all honesty, we have absolutely loved having you on. And uh, I just found this little ditty, actually. I just thought we'd better play this just to say goodbye to you, mate. Just to uh, give you a little wind out here tonight. There's the old uh, Austin Powers scene, big fella. Just channel. Oh, <laughs> So, big fella, when there's a house party or the boys are all having a party, they, they take you off the iPod. You're not allowed to be the new music box whatsoever. You're not allowed to be near there, mate. My music choice <laughs> is not the best. Actually, there's Liz. Okay. She just come up on the YouTube. She is gorgeous, yeah, Warnie. You've done very well there, big fella. I'm going to assure you, mate. She's a superstar. Hey, Radio enough now, mate. Yeah, Radio, cut we, it off. We, <laughs> we, cannot, <laughs> we cannot thank you enough, though. Uh, you know, like we, we hang a bit of shit on each other as the guests. We're going to get on and all that kind of stuff. And uh, Chuck's been kind of saying since the first episode that he reckons he could get you on. And me and Ludie kind had a bit of banter between ourselves saying I don't think we're going to get Warnie on ever but he has delivered in spades mate uh, unbelievable to have you on nah thanks very much for having me guys I appreciate it and uh, enjoy good on you mate thanks, Shane mate. Warn and thanks, uh, I'm not just saying it thanks, Chuck, but uh, you have absolutely no, slated it tonight and I'm going to talk to Clinton Bolsh mate he will send down that little Nissan for uh, for Warnie's daughter no doubt at all about that uh, what a show boys what a show well, well done, Chuck. Said very, we... very good. No, no, it's Warnie, not me. I mean, as I said, he's been a great mate. Forget about all that stuff. And I asked him, and he said, I asked him once. He said, "No worries, mate. Happy to help out." So, you know, I was confident, but you never know. He's a busy man. Travels all around the world, and uh, again, I hope our listeners. I mean, we try and keep it to an hour, and we have our guests for a half an hour. 
But some of the stories Warnie's going with there, mate. We, we've gone an hour tonight with Shane Warne. We don't Unreal. need to do much else, boys. Nah, it's unbelievable. I'll tell you what we need to do, though, big fella. We need to get an impersonation off the great man, Timmy Ludeman. He's been pretty good and, the last couple of weeks, Saka. Well, I hope he's been sort of keeping with the theme of the night. We might get a little bit of uh, Austin action, maybe, <laughs> have we, or not? <laughs> I actually used to do an Austin Powers, and I tried today, and I couldn't do it anymore. So I'll <laughs> you've lost cricket, it. Cricket theme tonight. <laughs> what do you got, mate? I'll do, I've done Richie already, but I'll do a bit of Richie leading into Tony Gregg, who I haven't done yet. Love it, Richie and Tony. Okay. Righto. Do, do you want a bit of like? Do you want a bit of cricketing music or something in the background, like? Yeah, nah, you want it's all good. I'll the the You want me to get the Channel Nine theme or anything? You're right. Happy. No, no, all good, Hulk. Oh, yeah, right all right, good. Right, all right. good. Love it, righto. Yes, and uh, welcome back to the WACA ground for the first time today. Short time ago, we <laughs> caught up with Tony Gregg for the pitch condition. Down to you, Tony. Yes, thank you very much, Richie. The pitch is quite good out here. <laughs> I haven't seen this many cracks since Morse years gay lesbian Morty Graw. <laughs> <laughs> you are very, very good with the Richie and Tony, mate, and the Billy Laurie. I love it. Hey, boys, what a fantastic show. Uh, seriously, Chuck, can't thank you enough, mate. Can't thank Warnie enough for being our special guest. This podcast, it is absolutely low-flying at the moment. Uh, plenty of listeners, plenty of subscribers. Tell your friends... Share it as much as you possibly can because it's just about a couple of blokes having a bit of fun, talking a bit of shit, getting some great stories out of uh, some great sporting people, boys. Our guests have made the show. We've been lucky. I don't know where, honestly where we go now, boys. We, we are going to have to come down the rung. I mean, we've climbed, and I reckon we've probably got to almost the top of Mount Everest. So we don't want to disappoint our listeners, but, you know, it's going to be hard to continue to deliver. Uh, I've put the great leg spinner on the table. Uh, Ludeman put Tim Payne on the table. I, I think it's back to you, big fella. No, it's back to Ludy. I had Brandy last week. <laughs> so it's actually... Jesus. I was thinking, I don't know who I'm going to get. Ludy, it is on to you next week, big fella. Uh, you've got seven days to get us sorted, mate. I don't know how you topped the last couple of weeks, to be honest. It's uh, just gone from strength to strength. It is low flying. We're going to go out with a bit of the boss, Sprucey Springsteen, Warney's favourite, Dancing in the Dark. See you, boys. See you, dudes. Cheers.